Hello, welcome to part two of the Nefer Coaches Corner May 2022 podcast with special guest Steve Walsh. In part two, we will be hearing some of the answers to the question that Steve posed at the end of part one, which are some fascinating answers and spark some really interesting uh, discussion. Uh, then we'll be hearing from questions from the audience um, from the live webinar that happened earlier on this month. Uh, some really interesting questions in there about the nature of uh, scouting and recruitment. Uh, some great questions on uh, recruitment within youth football as well. And it'll be finishing off with really sort of Steve's tips, if you like, to develop uh, within the remits of scouting and recruitment. So again, another fascinating listen in this section and we hope you do enjoy it. And as per uh, the previous message in part one, if you do like it, we really appreciate it if you could share the podcast and of course, any feedback uh, we welcome greatly as well. So enjoy part two. Here we are. Here we go. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Hopefully, uh, everybody's uh, been able to get uh, a drink comfort break. I'm just, uh, I was just checking if there were any games starting. There is Newcastle nil, Arsenal nil, um, and Huddersfield Town nil, Luton Town nil. I, I want Luton to get to the Premier League, mainly so that people have to go through somebody's house to get into the ground. Um, which is uh, which is the case uh, 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 at Luton if you've ever had if you've ever had the joys. Um, uh, but back to uh, tonight's uh, webinar, and we left it with a question um, from Steve, uh, which was, uh, "What makes you think you know what is going on at your club and what at your sources?" Uh, so we've had some uh, we've had some answers which are absolutely brilliant. So let's get let's get some people on uh, to. Uh, Talk about uh, talk about uh, answer. Well, let's go to Alex because he's just dropped his answer in there. Hi, Alex. How's it going, guys? Yeah, Hi, good, Alex. Alex. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Where are you tuning in from, Alex? Um, I'm right now in Atlanta, Georgia. You see, if you could have stopped at Atlanta, I could have said Georgia for you because I'm. <laughs> Knowledge I have of the American state system is is uh, is 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 high. Now I thought you um, were the one that got the uh, the uh, Charlotte one wrong. The Charlotte question. Maybe, wrong. maybe. Probably <laughs> did, Alex. Yeah. No, no. Atlanta, Georgia held the Olympics there, didn't it, Alex? Um. Yeah, I think it did a while ago. I'm not sure it when. Did, but yeah, it did. Um, it definitely. Did. Really? <laughs> um. Alex, do you just want to just um just sort of verbalize the reply that you put in the in the chat box? um the uh the, the the answer to steve's question yeah for sure um so i'm a player for Atlanta united and um um i just wrote that i try to make i pretty much try to involve myself in all uh relationships just including staff of obviously the relevant on the soccer side and gather information and build relationships with these people and i feel like building those relationships allows me to you know, trust, hopefully, 
um, what these what they're saying. Obviously, I'm sure because I'm a player, there's less information. Obviously, I'm being told, but um, yeah, it just gives me really insight into what's going on. I always ask each each one of their you know specific roles what their specific job entails and also how I can like maybe help or involve myself into this you know um, program. Obviously, if they need any help, then you know, just let me know. But also from a firsthand standpoint in the locker room, I see everything that's going on around the club in the medical staff, um, obviously the players, what they feel their wants and needs. And um, so, and obviously the coaching staff. So I feel like I have uh, an upper hand in, in the sense of really seeing what's going on around the club. Fantastic. I mean, first of all, thank you for, for, for tuning in. Absolutely brilliant to have uh, an MLS player on, on, on the call. Brilliant. Uh, Steve, what did you think of uh, Alex's um, uh, answer to your question? I think he's uh, in, a, in a privileged position, uh, obviously, uh, being a player at the club. Um, you, uh, you do right to ask as many questions as you can from, from each uh, individual um, part of it, you know, from the fitness to the and, uh, and, it, and it's part of your education and um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's testimony to yourself that you've actually gone down that road. So well done to you. And uh, I think that it will help you in, in the future. It sounds like you've got good people skills. You're able to communicate with people. Uh, and, you know, like fo football is, for, uh, is not for life. You only get to play for 15 years if you're lucky at the top level. And then you've got to think about the rest of your life. So hopefully if you've fully immersed yourself in that, there could well be other things that you need to move on to. Have you spoken to Brad Guzan, my big mate? Oh, yeah. One of my good friends at the club. Yeah, Brad's a good guy. He actually, I don't know if he just recently tore his Achilles. Um, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, it's a bit, it's a bit of a shame, but uh, I think it was trying to it was trying to keep that corner out that we scored. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. I know. Yeah, yeah. we. Um, I, I had Brad uh, at Hull City. Um, okay. Gave him his uh, gave him his first taste of league football. Love that. Um, back in the day, and uh, I've always kept very friendly with Brad. He's a good guy. Uh, very. He, He's one to look up to. He's one that you could get an awful lot of uh, information and experience from, because he, he really knows the 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 scene. He knows he knows football, and he knows the dressing room. Um, and I think in the future he will be one of the uh, the forefront of uh, of US football stroke soccer. And uh, going forward, you know, in the international, he can do whatever he wants to do. I think once he leaves. Once he's, oh, he's, he's, once he's he hangs definitely, his boots even in even in Atlanta United in general, he's fully immersed himself in the club. Obviously, he's been there since the beginning. But like you said, he's such a good guy, um, such a good he has p such good people skills, very knowledgeable about football and even stuff that's going on behind the scenes. So I definitely talk his ear off a bunch about this kind of stuff. Yeah. So when you go back, just tell him you were talking to Steve Walsh last night. <laughs> yeah, I definitely says. will. I definitely <laughs> will. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, Alex, I've heard that you've said football a few times, so you've let me down there a little bit. Um, well, it's uh, yeah. football. Uh, but also, Alex, I think I've seen you play, actually, because I think you were at start in Norway as well, weren't you? Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, just a follow-up question then. So in terms of those influences into the club, in terms of people making an assessment of what the club is, 
how do you assess of uh, how the external forces in the state uh, play a part internally at the club versus what it's like in, in, in Europe? Can you repeat that one more time? I'm sorry. Yeah, so in, in, in Europe, do you think the external forces like the press and fans uh, have a bigger impact on what goes on internally at the club? Or do you think that's more of a factor in the States? Hmm, yeah, um, I don't know. It's a tough question, honestly. I feel like um, I feel like as football is growing in the States more and more, um, obviously there's a lot more pressure on, on – and more fans are obviously getting involved. Um I feel like a lot more of the in this it's tough because in Norway is obviously I don't think it has as much influence and impact as it does in like the UK or in other bigger countries, um, which I think maybe would have more of an impact in the States. But now you can see the press and all this and all these fans and, and, and journalism and all that. It is starting a little bit to have an effect on on what's going on around the club for sure. Yeah. Oh, very good. And finally, before we let you go, Alex, uh, come on, how, what, what's the vibe with Charlotte? Are people worried? Are people thinking, oh, hang on, here they come? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it was, unf- I think we lost 1-0 away, or, and then we, I'm, I think we won in the last minute at home, I think, as well. Um, but yeah. it's definitely but it's, it's, it's tight. An awesome. Huh? It's pretty tight. It was it's tight, yeah, no, it definitely was. And, uh, it's just awesome of, of what's going on in the States. Obviously, like he said, 74,000 at the, at their first inaugural game, which is amazing. Um, they got great atmosphere, great facilities, great fans and, you know, a good team. So obviously I think the toughest part about football, about coming into the league as a new team is, is, you know, it's so tough because obviously maybe you get a lot of players from the outside that don't really know what's going on as much as like some MLS veterans that like, really know what the club's about, you know, and what the league is about. Um, but I think Charlotte have a pretty decent mix, and um, obviously they've been pre- playing pretty well. So um, it's always tough that first year, but nice. Uh, I Barry, think I ran out of the number right now. That, that was answered like an absolute true politician. Never mind Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia. You need Washington, D.C. You <laughs> Brilliant. Great to have you on, Alex. Thank uh, you, Alex. Thanks, thanks, thanks for that. Let's have one more uh, let's have one more on this section. Um, let's speak. Uh, let's speak to Ben. Let's speak to Ben. Hi, Ben. Ryan, how are you? Yeah, good. Good, thanks. Good. Um, again, do you want to just um, uh, verbalise uh, your your reaction, your answer to to Steve's question? Yeah, so a bit different to the last one. I'm talking more from uh, the, the football staff perspective, but clear communication. And, and not just, well, you, you can have the conversations in the corridor, but actually sitting down as a team, a multidiscipline team, and discussing where you're at with whatever whatever it is needed to discuss, whether it be the schedule, uh, recruitment of players, because a lot a lot can be said. You you know yourself, all of you, that you can have a conversation with somebody within your club who's heard something, and we've all come across those sort of people, but how much truth there is in that we, we don't know you, you need to get you need to actually get around the table at least once a week from 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 experience and and, and have a good update on on where you're at across across all departments steve is that a fair comment well i'll tell you which, which department are you in ben coaching uh predominantly but i have i have been in, in analysis as well um okay. but coaching 
in, in coaching. Okay. And do you, do you get together with other, other departments often? Um, we have done, yeah. With our, with our team, we, we get together. We get together once a week. Yeah. Um, and cover everything from play development, coach development, uh, operations, um, fixture planning, all that sort of stuff. And and what about what about the next level level up? Do you, do you speak to to the next level up? Um, very much so. My uh, my seniors uh, work very closely with me, um, so I've I've always got an, a good understanding of of what's going on in terms of um, in terms of what their roles are. I understand their roles quite well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it would be good for you to get I try and get some one to ones with each of them if you could, um, and then just ask them what they feel about their input into the club um, and, and, and take, take bits from, from each of those uh, interviews. Just say, would you mind just sitting down for 10, 15 minutes with, with a coffee and just let me ask you a couple of questions, you know, like, you know, where, how, how, do you get a lot of satisfaction for your job? What, uh, what are the things that really are important to you? Um, ask them whatever questions you like, but it would help you to gain more experience and then be better served when you're asked questions about your own club. Yeah. So I, I, would, I would definitely go back and try and get some one-to-ones if you could and then just further in, in, improve your knowledge. You'll get to know that person better. And then when you do come to have group meetings together, you'll be better better served to, to, to get a good positive outcome from it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, uh, th th thanks Ben. Um, I want to give, um, I think he's uh, dropped off the call there, but Terry had, um, Terry had made a, a comment um, as, as well. So I'll, I'll just read it out in case he just uh, dropped off the connection. But Terry uh, had put regular informal uh, uh, connections with all staff and players uh, at the training ground, third-party drop-ins, uh, tracking sports, examples, uh, sportsology, um, as, as, as as well. Um, Spencer, did you have any comments on on on, on this on this question? And you, you know, you've you've worked across across quite a few clubs now. How do you how do you see that? Do you think that that what, what what's sort of ubiquitous? Is it good practice or bad practice? I think um, if you look at the two guys that are on in terms of what they're doing internally, you know, good relationships with people around them, uh, which is important. But I think, you know, from a, a football club perspective, it's really important to try and control what's coming out of the football club as well. Um, and that's why a good, you know, chief communications officer is absolutely critical. Um, because, you know, a lot of fans will go on fans forums and websites and read stuff. And a lot of it, you know, is, is actually nonsense. So it's trying to control that as well. I think good communication from the leaders of the club. So everyone's in the picture. Some owners we never hear from. Some we probably hear from probably a little bit too much. But it's about getting that balance uh, and keeping fans informed. And I think that's key to, to football club ownership. Steve, what were your thoughts around this question? You know, I'm, I'm interested to sort of hear about the role uh, that, you know, Spencer alluded to there as well of uh, who really runs football clubs. You know, it's certainly my view that, you know, who gets people the sack? You know, I think it's the supporters that get managers the sack. Um, so, you know, what, what, what's, what, what's, what are your thoughts? Um, well, it's interesting because we've got a diverse um, audience and uh, I think the question I asked was 
not just generally for people who are involved in one specific club, but also people who are kind of involved in football, but are affiliated or feel they've got a feeling or support one one of the teams. Um, and I think the, the message is, is, is clear that it's difficult to, to get the right picture. If you're involved and you're working at football clubs, you're in a much better position to know where the club's positioned. Um, it's uh, much more difficult when you're an outsider looking in. And so those, those are the two kind of the two dynamics as far as that's concerned. Um, but if you're involved in a club, you need to know who the decision maker are, uh, are. And if we've got agents out there, you can go to one club and people maybe sometimes over-exaggerate their, their, their importance, shall we say, and, and they're not actually the decision maker. And so you're actually trying to sell your product, i.e. your player to the club and you're actually not talking to the person who will make that decision anyway. So to anybody who's out there, uh, try and find out who the important decision makers are. That's when you'll come to the real crux of the club and find out what direction it's going. Uh, Terry's back on, so we'll, um, we'll just get him on to make, uh, to make his point. Hi, Terry. Hey, guys. Hi, how are Hi. you? You all right? Hello, greetings from Maryland. I didn't think Maryland. I could put on the spot like this. Thanks so much for your time. No worries, no worries. Um, uh, whereabouts in Maryland are you? Uh, near Baltimore. We're down here for an academy event. Yeah, yeah. Now, again, again, if you said Baltimore, I would have just gone Maryland, just banged like that. It would have been automatic. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so, uh, Terry, just again, just to sort of rehash your point, really, and, and, and anything else that you felt was appropriate around the question yeah i guess i went with my gut a little bit and uh i think to get a temperature on the club or a feel is just speaking to as many people as you can from kitchen staff uh to uh, to all the different departments and i think with all that information almost scouting style you could kind of filter it to get a feel of, of where the club's at yeah and then second part i'd say maybe a little bit my learnings from the business world is I think, um, you know, I'm going to have bias and there'll be opinions. Maybe I trust a little bit more, but maybe a third uh, party opinion is important. And uh, somebody from outside of the club um, kind of informal, informally coming in and getting what, their thoughts and, and also formally too, um, almost uh, like an audit of the club. We've, been learning a little bit about companies like Sportsology and what they do. And if you kind of deviate from your sweet spot a little bit, um, you know, it's important that you get back on track. Sorry if I'm out of breath. I just ran up the stairs a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. What are your thoughts on not that? The, not the Empire State Building. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it. Uh, Steve, again, anything around Terry's point that you, you, what you wanted to, to add to? I think he's he's been pretty spot on, really, in terms of uh, you think of it as like an audit. I think that's that's probably a good way of explaining it. Um, mop, mop up as much information as you can. Be like a sponge. Take it all mm -hmm. in. And if you can do that, then you can use that information in... in 
you know, you know you, there'll be stuff that you agree with, there'll be stuff that you don't agree with, there'll be people who you, whose opinions you trust, there'll be people whose opinions you, you're not too sure about. And that all goes into the mix when you're making your informed answer in a, at a later stage. So the more you do that, the more that you go through that process, the, the better, more rounded vision of the club you've got. Absolutely. Uh, Spencer, any, any thoughts on Terry's comments? Yeah, I think, you know, mentioning the audience again, and a, a question for Steve, really, you know, you know, going to a new role as a sporting director, you know, what does the first month look like? You know, where, where do you allocate your time in terms of that audit? Is it based on intelligence from people within the club or are there certain aspects that you would home in on straight away? I think it depends which club you join it and yeah. how organised and where they are in the league at the time. Um, so, you know, if, you, if it's very close to the transfer window and you're near the bottom of the league, you know, you're going to be homing in on, on pretty much uh, as recruitment in terms of getting as many players in you can to, yeah. to kind of get you, get you out, of the, out of trouble, really. Um, but ultimately, you've got to be responsible for kind of everything. So it's, uh, it takes time. And, um, and what you do is you try and do as much as you can in terms of an audit. First thing for me was to do a squad audit in terms of where the players were at, um, who was who were going to keep, who were going to lose, uh, who who's potentially were going to sell. Um, and once you've gone through that process, then it's time to uh, give as much time as you can to the other areas. Um, you will have pretty much an idea once you've done your audit of the areas that need improving. And then you'll have to slowly go about uh, getting people on board. And then if you can't get, get people on board, you, you, you're looking for maybe to replace them. Um, obviously, you want, want, you've got a particular vision of the way your club uh, should be run. Uh, try and bring as many people on the journey as you can. Have as many meetings with each of the areas as possible. Give them your plan, your vision, how you see things going. There could be some things that are running pretty fine and um, only need a, a fine tuning. It could well be it's not, you know, it's not all about it. And you also can learn quite a lot from doing a, a sensible audit by speaking to people. And you might actually change your or adjust your vision to actually suit this new situation because you think it will work. Um, talk to all the major key holders is the key to making sure that, that you know which lines the club is run on and, and, and you need to try and bring people on board uh, if, if you think they're out of line with your views. So with the, the vision, Steve, I mean, would you go like to the, the marketing department or HR and, and link all the departments and share the vision for the football club? Would you, would you go to that level? No, I, I don't. I wouldn't get involved in that. I would say that as, that's more of a CEO role um, or um, maybe the accounts director. You know, somebody who deals specifically with money in terms of money generation for the club. Um, and you will you would only come in into it when perhaps, you know, you're having a new stadium built and you need to be part of that process. But in terms of the uh, marketing, um, publicity, uh, you can, listen, you've always got to say the right things and, and, and be 
involved as much as you can, but but you know, at the, at the end of the day, I don't I don't see that as part of your remit. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, really appreciate people's um, uh, comments on there. Terry just finished off by saying that he was a big fan of the word audit as well, and I can understand that. Uh, you know, audit is a pretty terrifying, terrifying word. I mean, Spencer, you, you, you are you. I mean, you you are a trained auditor, aren't you? So I, I don't usually uh, divulge that, Ryan. But yes, I'm a trained auditor. Yes. <laughs> Any answers? We'll, we'll leave that right there. Thank you, and move on. Matter, right? <laughs> uh, yes. Go on, go on there, Ryan. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, we're drawing towards the end now. The last fifteen minutes. So any other questions that people have got? Uh, we will uh, absolutely try and get to at the end. Um, um, Steve, uh, we're really keen. I'm really keen to get your opinion on who you think um, is doing it well, who is consistently recruiting well, has a good operation internally, perhaps punching above uh, their way, or indeed you feel that Man City or uh, Barcelona or Real Madrid or PSG are doing it well. Who do you think is performing the role as sporting director very, very well, and as a club, um, are, are being efficient in this in this area? Um, I, I'd have to say Manchester City uh, are certainly top of the tree as far as the running of a football club is concerned, because you've got owners who, um, who obviously put a lot of money in. And they don't get involved with one football decision, not one football decision. There's no ego. Ego is the enemy. There's no ego there at all. They give the money to uh, to the club and let them spend it as they see fit. Fortunately for Manchester City, they have a, a fantastic structure with Tiki Berkenstein in the, in the hot chair as far as the sporting director goes. They're very much under the radar. Uh, very much uh, unsung hero in many respects, um, and he helps to put the whole thing together. He works very closely with Pep Guardiola um, and also Varane, who, who uh, they've all worked together at Barcelona previously, the three of them. And uh, between the three of them, they set out the stall. They've obviously got uh, an affiliation with the City Group, which is kind of a worldwide product now. Brian Marwood is certainly involved uh, at that level and has been for some years now. And there's a variety of other people that I know and I've talked to and worked with in the past who work at the organisation, Gary Worthington, etc. Um, I think they're very well run. I think the recruitment is, is excellent. And, and people will turn around and say, well, you know, they've got the money. Um, but Newcastle have got the money now, so, you know, will they spend it as wisely? I don't know. You'll, only time will tell on that one. Um, but uh, as far as a, a, a model is concerned, you know, take away the personalities, but have a look at the model and the way things are run. And uh, and I think that is a is a good blueprint of which which way to to go. If that's uh, something, obviously, I mean, <laughs> you know, Liverpool aren't doing a bad job either. To be fair. Um, <laughs> But uh, and it's easy to get on on those other clubs that I think are doing a good job. Well, I think Brighton have done a, a fabulous job. Uh, they have had a, a great season. I think Brentford have done magnificently well, Absolutely. and they are two unfashionable clubs that 
Um, I've got sporting directors in place um, and uh, I've got a recruitment policy and both of them have different recruitment policies, um, but they both fit into how the, they see the club going. So I put those, those two clubs down as well-run units uh, in terms of how to, how to go about putting a football club together. Steve, do you think with the, like, the, the increased demands you know, of football and, and football clubs now, I mean, can clubs really afford not to have a sporting director? Um, I always say that uh, if, if, you, if you're a very rich man, which you probably are, Spencer, and you want to buy a football club, and you want to buy a football club, don't even think about which club to buy. Get yourself a sporting director. And if you've got um, an oil business or a plastics business, whatever it is, you let that sporting director come and work for you for maybe a couple of months and show him how you work and how your business runs and how you make your money. Do that as, as, as the... And then when you're thinking about seriously about buying a football club, send your sporting director in who knows the ins and outs, who can get to the bottom of things, who can do due diligence... And he will work out whether that football club that you're talking about is worth investing in. And then together, you've got that bond. Uh, you know what his business ethics are. He knows your business ethics. And then you can marry the two up in terms of the football. Um, everybody at that football club then knows that you're the person who's making the decisions because you and the owner are as one. And that's one way that it could work. Having done that, then you put the foundations down. That's when the hard work starts. Yeah, and that's a great idea. You know, for anyone that's looking to buy a club, is, is follow that process and get to know each other first. Unbelievably valuable. Um, Steve, you'll be aware there's a lot of uh, sporting directors, master's degrees now uh, and a variety of courses. In fact, I'm just coming to the end of uh, year two with VSI in Manchester, which I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, if you're recruiting for a sporting director, are you really looking for, do they have a degree or is it their network and their knowledge that they've got? I mean, does a degree really matter? I, I think uh, the, more the more qualifications you've got, the better. But it's not about the qualifications. It's the experience you gain whilst you're doing that. Um, I, I did the, uh, in, fact, it's, it's, in fact, it's just here. Oh, which is the level five. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, yeah. That's the FA level five. Yeah. I won't, get all, my, won't get all Where's... my trophies out. Right. Where's that going? Pardon? Where's that's that going? My, that's, it, that's in my office next to, next to, next to all my... Uh... Oh. You look more appealing office than Ryan, Steve. I'm not, I I, I'm not turning the camera around. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of a shrine, really, I suppose, in some ways. But it, going back to your point, I think the FA, the FA is a very, very creditable organisation and uh, anything that they run uh, is kind of rubber-stamped by God in football terms. Um, but, but there are a lot of other very, very good courses out there, excellent courses. Um, the VSI, the, the one in Manchester met, the... The, the other ones that, that are going on in, in, in the country, uh, there's a lot of very, very good courses. And, uh, and I'm glad there is because, you know, I think that there's a great demand there for, uh, for uh, 
people to be educated in the game. Um, so, you know, if you, if, you, if you go out there and uh, you get your qualification, it's about the journey that you go on when you're in that because you'll meet other people with different ideas. You'll feed off them as well as feed off the information you get from the course. And the whole experience of being on a course will actually, you know, it, it goes towards making a paper qualification. But that's not the important part. It's the, the important part is actually the journey rather than the, the qualification. So if someone who's following a master's degree or, or one of the talent ID, obviously start level one, I know it's online and it's free at level one, level two, I think it's a few hundred quid. So it would be really not just doing the qualifications, but having a blend and going out there, maybe volunteering, getting the experience and cutting your teeth. Yeah, most certainly, most certainly. The, the more experience you get, the, the better it is going to be with your CV. And, you know, if you're looking to get a job at a football club, you can always, you can always write a letter. You can always find out who makes the decisions. You can always say, look, this is a sample of my work. If, you know, you have a vacancy, maybe not now, but in the near future, would you consider me? And most people who are sensible enough, they'll, they'll put that on file. And then when a vacancy does come up, they'll, they'll look at what they've got before they actually make an advert. So you could actually be ahead of the game and actually be somebody who actually gets the job in terms of, uh, well, listen, we like what you see. We, we, we'd like to get you in. Um, you do a one-to-one -one interview. They give you maybe some things to do in terms of analysis, perhaps, if that's your game. Uh, and, you know, on, on, on the back of that, you could actually find yourself in, in work. You know, that, that's, that's, that's an important thing. And it's a, a good tool to, to use going forward. Very good. Uh, I want to get to a couple of the questions um, from uh, the the audience. Really important question that I think has, has come in that's coming from Kev. So let's let's hear from Kev. Evening, Kev. Good evening. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. How are you guys? Yeah, very very well. Thanks. Very well. What's your uh, what's your question for Steve? Yeah, my question was, what are the traits that you're looking for? in youth and amateur players that you then take to professional status? Uh, I think it, it would depend on how old the player is at the time. Um, what sort of age group are you talking about? I'm talking like college, so college or like okay. 16 to 19. Okay, yeah. Well, there's the, the certainly growth as far as that's concerned. Um, there's many a player being turned away from football clubs and, uh, and made comebacks. Jamie Vardy is one of those. Um, oh. Jamie was, uh, he was let go by Sheffield Wednesday. Oh. Don't rub it in, Steve. Then he moved to Stocksbridge Steels. Then he moved to Halifax. And then when I picked him up, he was at Fleetwood, even though there were no league at the time. So he made the journey um, in, in, in a different way than the, 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 the normal passages. So I would say that certainly the age group you're talking about, 16 to 19, there's plenty of, plenty of scope for growth there. Um, and sometimes they just need a chance. Um, and it's then joining the right club that gives you that chance to go forward. Um, but I certainly wouldn't turn the tap off at, at, at that age group at 16 to 19, still still learn the game. 
and also you, you know you look at the look at the 24 23 24 year olds that eventually get championship games and and play quite a lot and then they actually elevate you know like James Madison for instance who's at Leicester now he came through uh, came through and went went to Coventry and and and, and, and the, you know they were having a really bad time at the at that point, but uh, but he came through it all and uh, he's playing Premier League football now. So there are massive stories like that that can be that can be told. So you know I, I would encourage people and give them as many opportunities as you possibly can. Thank you, Steve. Um, do you feel that um, that age group of uh, uh, of football that Kev was relating to there? Think we've got the balance right in terms of it reflecting first team football so when you do go and watch it or scout it or players there is it enough of a reflection of what they you're hoping to take them into i think uh, the art of, of developing players is is finding out in your in your mind where they can get to and that that's a skill in itself isn't it if you think that that person has the potential then you don't give up on them um, um, very interestingly, Dan Ashworth was was working at West Brom, and then he went, obviously, to be the head of uh, a technical director at the FA before he's now at Brighton and he's going on to Newcastle. But that's another story. Anyway, I know I know Dan very well, so I said to Dan, "What what would you what would what would be your word now? You've gone now you've gone back back into." Uh, professional the professional game from the international setup so what would you do different now having been on that journey and he said i would give players more time to develop which is exactly the point uh, that's that is being being made by uh, yeah so Very good um we've got another question here from uh, stefanos so let's hear from stefanos hi stefanos Hello, can you hear me? Hi, Stefanos. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You? Yeah, great to great to hear from you, Stefanos. Great that you're on the call tonight. And what's your question to Steve? So my question it was uh, about uh, to ask him an opinion about the development of the non-league football over the last couple of years. And just to give some context to that, because you're obviously you, you you're 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 playing in the in the non-league, aren't you, Stefanos? Yes, uh, currently I'm uh, the National League South in Eastbourne Borough and uh, with a couple of loan spells in the lower steps as well. Well, I, I, I think that uh, the football in our non-league setup is, is excellent. Um, and I think it, it has grown over the years into a fantastic pyramid situation. There was a time a few years ago, which you won't know about this, Stefanos, because you, you're not old enough, um, but, but teams couldn't get into the Football League. There was no pathway there at all. It was a, a closed shop whereby everybody voted to see uh, if they could get enough votes to stay in the league, even if you finished bottom. Um, that has obviously been opened over the years now, and you've got that that feed now in between the leagues. So the National League, National League South, and National National League North, they they have opportunities to, to get into the league. And there's been some great success stories. Have a look at Forest Green this year. 
that's a that's a, a phenomenal story because they probably weren't a football club maybe 20 years ago. There wasn't anything there, I don't think. So we've got that situation now that encourages the growth of teams. Um, even if they're starting from scratch, they know that there is a pathway. And uh, I think that's improved, improved the standard as well. The standard of, of plays is better. I think the tactics are better. I think the coaches are better. Um, I think all round it's become more and more a professional environment, even even at uh, at all those other levels. You know, I've watched I've watched some uh, some northern uh, not, uh, some uh, conference north, shall we say? I've asked I've watched quite a few games uh, of that this year, and and I think the standard has certainly certainly improved. Um, and 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 congratulations to Stockport County. Who were uh, after ten years in the uh, in the the non-league setup, and they went they went down considerably, and they've actually come back up and into the league now. So I'm I'm really pleased about that too. Overjoyed. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, do, I, do I get a tinge there? No, no, no. Of, no, no, of no. jealousy. Fair play. Fair play. All the best. All the very best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Stephanos. Thank you thank very you. much. Thank you. Uh, well, guys, that's brought us up to uh, nine o'clock. Um, uh, the time has just flew by again. Some real highlights uh, there uh, for me. Uh, my knowledge of the state system in America uh, was obviously high up there, but a few little, a few little lines that have come out of it. Um, the filterization of information, being the art of the sporting director, I love that one. Um, Ego is the enemy. I think that is such an important, such an important line, not only in the conversation that we're having uh, tonight about uh, the role of a sporting director and recruitment, but any function um, uh, within, within the club. And I think the discussion, Spencer, that we had around Steve's question and the ability to get to know one of each other, other and trust each other um, uh, at a club is absolutely crucial. What, what have your highlights been over the last 90 minutes? I think that, uh, you know, when Alex came on, that, you know, despite being in the States, he called the sport football and not soccer. Uh, that was a highlight for me. That was a highlight, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, to, just to listen, you know, to Steve, vast knowledge, you know, great experiences you know, in the States and England, lots of success. But, you know, that how key recruitment is, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well with your coaching team and making sure you, you try and select the right people, which isn't an easy task. And as Steve says, you don't always get it right. Um, I think as well, the uh, the audit, which we called in, is really homing in on what are the factors at that particular football club at the time. So I think Steve mentioned, if you, you're near the, a month of the transfer window, you ain't going to be bothering about the academy at that time. It's all hands to the pump to get the players in if you're going for a title or, you know, looking to avoid relegation. Uh, and I really like when, when Steve said that about getting a sporting director involved before you actually buy a football club. Not the way I'm looking to buy a football club, are we, Ryan? Uh, maybe the three horses, third eleven, or something like that. But I think who knows? Who knows? That was I thought it was really good, uh, and you know I've never thought of it like that. Is getting that relationship and then sending the expert in to do the due diligence to make sure that you make the right decision. Uh, but fan fantastic, Steve. Thank you ever so much. Thank you, Steve. Uh, any comments from yourself? Brilliant. No, thank you. Thank you to you all. Thank you to everybody. Brilliant. Uh, well, we can just share who uh, our guest is going to be uh, next uh, month with everybody. Uh, Spencer, would you like to um, let everybody know who we've got on? 
But yeah, we are going to welcome Steve Salis. So Steve is a, an author uh, and a mindset and leadership mentor. Has worked with England national teams with numerous Premier League footballers and uh, the author um, of the book Educating Football, which is probably one of my favourite football books. It doesn't hold back, Steve, in, in terms of his uh, assessment of certain elements of the game. Uh, in fact, Jude Bellingham, I'll just read here, he said that uh, Steve is one of the best player developers in world football and a must-have in any football club. So another fantastic guest and uh, we'll be looking at uh, section three of his book, which is about coaching and coaching champions and a lot of tips that we can get off Steve, how we can improve as coaches. Yes, so um, everybody that's signed up for the webinar tonight, should already have a link um, in your inbox uh, about the Steve Salis one. If the, if the technology has worked, if not, we'll send it out um, anyhow. Uh, just to, again, uh, thanks, Steve, for, for being with us. A uh, quick one. Are you off to the States soon? Yeah, I'm going back for the Nashville at home and the Inter-Miami game away in the next two. Sounds dreadful. Sounds absolutely dreadful. Um, Inter-Miami, you know, like you do. Thanks. <laughs> Um, thank you everybody for tuning in uh, we really appreciate it and we hope to see you next time Spencer thank you very much thank you Ryan thank you Steve Goodbye, it's everybody. nice to speak to you Spencer all the best see you Ryan speak soon see you Steve bye bye, bye.